Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning, Dr. Hilden taking the day off today. He'll be back again next week, filling in as guest host, Dr. Sam Ives, who's been with us a number of times this morning. Dr. Ives works in both inpatient and outpatient internal medicine. Uh, He has particular interest in medical education. I want to ask him about that, working with residents and medical students, see if that keeps him on his toes. Uh, Hematology, uh, the social determinants of health. Dr. Ives, again this morning, will answer your general health questions on healthy matters because it's an open line show. Good morning, Dr. Ives. Good morning, Dan. Good to see you you again. Thanks for coming in again. Does that make a difference? I mean, you and and, and Dr. Hilden as well uh, do teach medical students. Does Does that keep you inform too? Uh, it sure does. You know, we're the biggest, uh, we're one of the biggest sites for University of Minnesota medical students. So students who are learning, they'll kind of get on-the-job training, almost like an apprenticeship. So if they're learning about OBGYN, they'll do a rotation where they work with someone or a surgeon or a pediatrician or Dr. Hilden or I, an internal medicine doctor. And obviously, as you can imagine, most medical students are very bright people, they have a, a lot, lot of questions, questions <laughs> and uh, and it really does keep you learning. So if you're going to teach something, you really have to be teaching not what I learned a decade or two ago, but actually what's the newer information about different uh, problems, different diseases, different treatments. I was thinking about uh, that, uh, the, the question last week, as a matter of fact, as far as your schooling. Now, you and Dr. Hillen are both internal medicine physicians. How long... How does that program work? How long did you go to school? Sure. So just to give people a ballpark, it's a little different in the U.S. than other countries, but we did four years of college and then four years of medical school. And then after four years of medical school, depending on your specialty, you do a residency. So this is like the apprenticeship where, much like an auto mechanic would do, where you're learning from someone who's more experienced. So internal medicine is another three years of training. So you do the four plus four plus three. If you're a brain surgeon or some other specialties, you might do even longer than that. Cardiologists. A cardiologist and so forth. So it takes a little bit of uh, time to be practicing on your own, and that's probably a good thing. It probably is, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, if you have a question for Dr. Ives, again, it's an open line show. That means uh, you drive the show. If you have a question about yourself or a loved one, 651-989-9226. Uh, if it's easier, some folks, as you can see, doctor, are already sending in text messages. That number is 81807, 81807. Should we start off with that? Uh, let's see. Uh, to, to speak, if the, you would, to the concern um, about, uh, maybe I missed that first one, because I know we had a question about uh, sure. the difference between... Uh, so uh, someone sent in a text message asking about the difference in, in an older patient between depression and dementia. Good question. So this is a great question. So dementia is a, kind of a generic term for when someone loses their memory and other parts of their function, like ability to pay bills, 
keep track of things and so forth. And Alzheimer's is a very common form of dementia, but there are other types. Depression is also very common in older people. So sometimes uh, a doctor is trying to sort out if someone has trouble with their memory, is this due to depression or dementia? I don't think there's an easy way to sort these out insofar as in severe cases, depression will cloud your judgment, memory, etc. A doctor might have some ways based on the exam to look for other types of brain problems. So uh, not as much in Alzheimer's, but other forms of dementia like Parkinson's, people might have trouble moving and so forth that we might not see with depression alone. So if you're concerned about this, um, it is a very important thing to get checked out. What I would recommend is a general practitioner like a family medicine or internal medicine doctor would be the first person you'd see. And a neurologist might be someone I'd send someone to if there was a concern. Maybe they have a subtle form of dementia and depression is kind of clouding the picture. So first with your primary doc and then... uh... A primary doctor would get a lot of experience with this. I mean, unfortunately, uh, depression is very common. So, But that does mean that a primary care doctor would see this a fair amount in their clinic and we would be used to evaluating the symptoms. And unfortunately, in older individuals, uh, dementia gets to be more common as we age. So someone who sees many older patients might have a little more experience sorting through uh, what they might do just on an exam to try to sort out these two things. But the texter is correct that these two can overlap a good deal. 651-989-9226 if you have any kind of a general health question for the doctor. Or again, the text number is 81807. Let's talk a little bit about the flu. At our house, we generally every year get the flu shot about mid, mid-October. Is that a good time? That is a good time. So some people have, there have been articles about this, I think perhaps even in the Star Tribune here, about timing the flu shot. Oh, yeah. So some people have said, you know, you get your peak immunity and you want to kind of overlap that with the peak of flu season. I think a lot of people try to overthink this a little bit, though. Uh, what I would say is now is a great time to get your flu shot anytime in the next few weeks. We're still on the uptick of the flu. We haven't seen the most of it yet. So now is a good time. I'd like to say any time is better than just trying to overthink it and not getting the flu shot at all. Uh, a question that uh, came in by text, by the way, the text number 81807 about tinnitus or tinnitus, as some people uh, say. Uh, having exhausted every effort, Texter says, we know to f- find help for adult with a extremely severe case with constant sounds of high screech and buzzing. Uh, sleep is affected, severe depression, Uh, Are many people affected by this? Yeah, so tinnitus or tinnitus that people pronounce it both ways is ringing in the ears. So if you ask, a lot of people are affected by this. And it goes between affected from people have the symptom and it doesn't bother them to really being disturbed by this. Unfortunately, the problem is that tinnitus is a sign of the nerve we use for hearing being damaged. And most of the treatments we have are helping to manage a symptom. We actually do not have a treatment that fixes the nerve. So unfortunately, uh, when someone has the nerve damage that causes the ringing, we don't have a treatment that fixes the nerve. So sometimes people, if it bothers them in the evening, will take a sleep aid or will do something else that's really focusing on the symptom. But when the nerve is damaged that causes ringing, Uh, To my knowledge, there is not a great treatment. So this is a really hard problem to manage. Hear a lot of talk these over the years about the uh, the, uh, diagnosis of uh, sleep apnea. 
Are, are doctors finding out? Are they asking those kinds of questions more now than they used to? Yeah, so sleep apnea is when someone, apnea just means not breathing. So sleep apnea is when someone periodically, uh, many times per night, just stops breathing for a very short period. Might be one or two seconds, might be a few seconds. And this is more common in heavier individuals, those with obesity This is something that's fairly common, and so we're screening more people. The screening test is called a sleep study. It's done at Hennepin Healthcare and other clinics where you actually sleep in a a clinic and you're observed during this time so they can actually see this. The times to be worried about sleep apnea are really uh, if someone feels uh, very exhausted during the day, they might not know that they're waking up many times per night. So someone who, let's say, they're falling asleep on the telephone without realizing it or feeling particularly run down, it's more common, again, as people are uh, higher uh, body mass index or more obese. And the other times is when someone in the morning has uh, a real fog in the morning. Some of us aren't morning people, but someone who has severe morning headaches or very, very cloudy in the morning, we might worry more about this sleep apnea. We've done shows on this show about that because, in fact, Hennepin has a great sleep study program. You guys really do have a great uh, They've been around for a very long time, yeah. very experienced people. And a lot of people think the idea of you know sleeping in a clinic or hospital room sounds very unpleasant. The sleep center is a very easy screening. So it really it's not is. the difficulty with the screening test itself is not challenging in any way. No, indeed. Uh, 651-989-9226. Again, text number is 81807. Texter just says this, uh, the husband has drop foot treatments. What, what is that? Uh, drop foot is when, again, a nerve problem where the nerve that affects how you lift up your foot is affected. Some people might be familiar with seeing someone and you have a very odd way of walking because you can't lift your toes. So you kind of have to swing the leg around. Some people who have this from a nerve problem will wear a foot brace uh, that actually holds the foot so that the f- the toes are held in a more upright position. And then depending on the cause of this, is it a nerve problem and so forth, there might be other treatments. So if someone has a dropped foot, they can't actually lift their toes. The first step would be to do a brace. The second step, of course, is to figure out, well, why is this problem occurring so that we can see if there's something else to do about it more at the root of the problem. if you'd rather send the doctor a text, 81807. Here's a text that came in a bit ago. What's the difference between dense and fat breasts, and what is the correct wording the radiologists are supposed to use when they write up their report? Well, uh, this relates to screening mammograms. So mammograms are a screening test for breast cancer. Sometimes if there's, you can imagine that you're just screening tissue. So uh, tissue is a mixture. The breast, like other parts of the body, is a mixture of muscle and fat. If people have a particularly dense breast, sometimes uh, they can't get as good of an x-ray for this. So usually a radiologist, uh, the x-ray doctor who reads the mammogram, will tell the doctor who orders the test whether or not they got a good picture. So you just want to think of the test result as saying, is this an adequate picture? In It's the minority of patients, but sometimes we'll need to do another type of screening test like an MRI because the regular mammogram isn't a good enough picture. I would focus less on uh, the terms dense or fat and more just on what the radiologist is trying to tell the person who ordered the test. They're really trying to tell someone like me, did you get a good enough picture that this is a good screening mammogram? Can you go back to getting your test in one or two years? Or 
Can you just say, I was looking for a screening test. I didn't get a good picture. I'm going to need to do something else to have an adequate screening test. Very good. Dr. Sam Ives is filling in for Dr. Hilden today. If you have any kind of a health questions for Dr. Ives, now is your chance. Uh, we're not zeroing in on any particular topic this morning. 651-989-9226. Text again is 81807. I see an open line if you want to uh, to fill it. Or send a text, 81807. Hey, good morning and welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. Dr. Sam Ives is back filling in for Dr. Hilden, answering your questions, your general health questions. Again, it's an open line show. Call in your question or send in the question via text. Text number, by the way, 81807. Uh, Dr. Ives, let's go to the phones. I think, uh, let's see, Tom is calling on a cell phone first up here. Tom, the doctor's listening. Hi, um, I'm uh, experiencing some, uh, it's kind of hard to breathe pressure in my chest. Um, it seems like it's focused in, in, on the left side, but it's mostly, it seems like the, I don't know, the whole chest, uh, almost like a burning type sensation. I've had like a little bit of like throbbing in my left hand sometimes too. Um, it's, uh, I had, it's weird because I had a physical on Thursday and I had blood work done, but I haven't gotten the, the re- I didn't have the symptoms then, but I don't have the, uh, the blood work results back yet and then friday at work it was really kind of scared me i was kind of dizzy i thought i was going to fall out i kept working i'm i'm a chef actually and um you know i work long days and uh you know the stress kind of seemed like uh was bringing it on a little bit perhaps as well um but i'll be laying down and sleep and i can sleep okay and and even like in my sitting position you know i mean i'm not like horrible pain but it seems like, yeah, I feel like it's like my lungs and my heart, and it's just, I'm not, it, so it's freaking me out, obviously, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It, and how old think, are you, Tom? I'm 56. Okay, and do you have any history of heart problems, high blood pressure, diabetes? Um, not high blood pressure, not diabetes, but I have had, like, irregular heartbeats before in the past, um, yeah. and, um, but I corrected that just with diet and that type of thing. Um, sure, and do you was, smoke? Uh, a no, I do not smoke. Well, uh, okay, I, I will say that there are a couple things that would be really important to get checked out. Um, just first to say, you know, as a reminder on the show, it's easier to speak to a general problem sure. than what's going on with you because in general, you know, think about a clinic visit. So I'm going to try to give you a little bit of advice over the next 45 seconds as opposed to a 45 minutes. So in general, um, if you're really having trouble breathing, then it would be important to be evaluated. Um, Someone can have a heart problem like angina, um, which means uh, chest pain due to a heart problem that is more common in men even without heart risk factors like high blood pressure or diabetes. And over the phone, I can't listen to your heart or do any of that, and so I do think it'd be reasonable to see a doctor um, in general, if the pain is coming or going, that's more reassuring than a pain that comes and stays. And the other things that would cause breathing problems, some of them are pretty uh, uh, no big deal type of things, like having a bad virus that causes breathing problems that might last a day or two and get better. And some of them are quite serious. So in addition to having a heart problem, someone could have a blood clot in the lung or have a pneumonia, a lung infection. So my best advice knowing that I can't give you uh, 45 minutes of time to address it, is that this is something that I would want to uh, see a doctor for on the nearer term. If you have breathing problems that comes and won't go away, that would be something you'd want to be evaluated for today. Otherwise, if you're having 
intermittent symptoms, then if I were you, I'd, I would at least call the doctor tomorrow and say, I really need this sorted out. There's a lot of testing we can do, even just simple things that are really trying to sort out with a common problem, shortness of breath, very, very common thing in clinic. We're trying to sort out, is this something run-of-the-mill? Is it a virus? Or is this something very scary that you know we do need to see? Occasionally from my clinic, we're sending someone straight to the hospital for a problem. And I worry a little bit that if you're having ongoing problems or problems with your hand, that that's something that we'd want to see on the nearer rather than the longer term. All right. Very good. Good luck, Tom. Thanks for Thank the call. You. 651-989-9226 is our phone numbers. Uh, Sam is calling from Eden Prairie. Uh, Dr. Ives is listening. Sam, go ahead, please. Dr. Um, I had triple bypass last year. been experiencing um, what they call fade-out or blackouts, um, anywhere from unpredictable two to Two minutes to 20 minutes. Um, going back down to mail this week. Any uh, any thoughts on? Sure. So uh, if someone is having a blackout or a pass out, um, just like our last caller, you know, we're trying to sort out, is this something that has an easy fix or not? Um, the real thing that we would worry about if someone's had a bypass is that they're having an abnormal heart rhythm meaning that the heart is, unbeknownst to you, is starting to race fast or go too slow. And that affects if the heart all of a sudden starts running a sprint, like it's running a 100-meter dash, and you're just sitting there, uh, you are apt to get not enough blood to the brain and pass out. Um, This is something that you, um, if you do pass out again, you would want to see a doctor. This isn't something that you would go say, hey, I got an appointment in Mayo in three weeks, and I'll wait until then. Someone who has had cardiac bypass, the big risk is having an abnormal heart rhythm. That is something that can be fatal, and that is an emergency. So if you pass out at home, I would recommend seeing calling an ambulance and going into a hospital. This is not something that we would wait for a clinic visit to see because, uh, especially in someone who has a heart history, it could be something more run-of-the-mill, but we would not take that chance. So I would highly recommend if you have another blacking out episode that you go in and seek treatment. Right away. All right. Good luck, Sam. Thanks. Barbara is calling from Inver Grove before the break. Uh, Barbara, what is your question for Dr. Ives? Hello, Barbara. Yes, doctor. I have a stomach that grumbles, grumbles, grumbles when I walk, and um, it's very disturbing. It's like a bunch of frogs. And if I'm in church, it's grumbling. Is there any quick fix? I do take a probiotic that one of my doctors recommended, uh, but it hasn't cured it. Sure. Uh, So, you know, all of us, there's a wide range of normal for how much noise your stomach makes. So just like... uh, I hate to admit early morning radio, you know, different people have a different amount of gas and that actually might not be, it might be problematic for their loved ones, but otherwise is not a disease per se. So a grumbling stomach might be a problem in church, uh, but it isn't a disease. One thing that you may consider is when someone has stomach rumbling or gas, 
it often means that they digest or tolerate a certain food less well. The most common one that comes to mind is lactose intolerance. Um, So some people with dairy, even though they won't have stomach aches, they'll have more rumbling or gas when they have a larger dairy-based meal, like a bowl of yogurt, some ice cream, and so forth. And they might not notice it for a piece of pizza with a little bit of cheese on it. So what I would do to try to manage the stomach rumbling is to first experiment with what you're eating and try to cut out lactose and see if that affects it. Or you might have a milder meal before church to see if that helps. And then the last thing would be to say is that if that is not helping, there are types of medicine that occasionally help with gas or bloating. There's one called cymethicone, and occasionally people will use this. We don't like to fix stomach grumbling with a medication, but if it's real bothersome, we might try it. All right, very good. I know we have to break here, Doctor, but we reminding our listeners we do have another half hour of the show to go. It's an open line show, which means you can ask your general health questions. We're not talking about any any particular topic. So call in your question or send a text. We have a bunch of text messages we'll uh, pick up on as well. Just a reminder, if you have experienced a stroke or you know someone who has, you can join on the second Tuesday of each month, 2 p.m., for a stroke survivor support group in the Clinic and Specialty Center that's located 715 South 8th Street, just down a block or two from here. The next session takes place November 13th. If you want more information about that comprehensive stroke services, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash stroke. We'll remind you of that again. And thank you for joining us. If you're just joining us, Dr. Hilden is taking the day off today. He'll be back next week. Our guest host, Dr. Sam Ives, is back with us. Dr. Ives also an uh, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare and answering your uh, general health questions. We're doing an open line show today. So if you have one, you want to phone it in, 651-989-9226. I see a line open if you'd like to use it. Uh, or send uh, the doctor your text, 81807. Dr. Ives, you can see we have a lot of text messages as well. Sure. But, but Bob in Lakeville is first up calling here. Uh, let's get to his question uh, answered. Bob, good morning. What is your question, please? Good morning, doctor. Uh, as of tomorrow, I've had a, a knee replacement three weeks out, and I've been using a walker, and I didn't notice it at the hospital, but when I'm home here, oh, about a week, a week and a half ago, um, using the walker, my right hand has gone numb on my little finger and my ring finger and part of the palm. And the grip has got kind of a turn-up lip on each end of the rubber grip. And then also, just here for your awareness, about three years ago, I dislocated the same arm. And I'm just wondering about the numbness and tingling and little feeling that I have in the little finger. Sure. Thank you for the call, Bob. This is a great question. So uh, tingling in the fingers is often due to something called neuropathy or an irritated nerve. And in the fourth and fifth finger, there's a specific nerve that goes to that end of the hand uh, that could be irritated by the way you're gripping the walker. And it would be, uh, you know, if someone was typing all day, we'd be used to talking to someone about carpal tunnel. If they're doing something else where they're putting a lot of pressure on that side of the hand, that could be causing a neuropathy with a different nerve. Now, the solution to this would be either to talk to a physical therapist about the walker. There might be a different type of grip where you wouldn't be putting so much pressure on that side of the hand. Occasionally, if it's severe, we might be recommending a type of brace. Now, if you've already got a knee problem, you know, creating a wrist problem with a different brace might be irritating, and you'd want that wrist brace to still make it stable to walk. 
So what it sounds like is a neuropathy, a nerve problem. Best first thing to do would be talk to a physical therapist about a different walker or a different grip. The other thing would be perhaps you need something on your wrist since you have a problem there to make sure that that isn't an ongoing problem or actually causes nerve damage. All right, a couple of good uh, words there, Bob. Good luck. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. Text number is 81807. I know we have a bunch of those. Sure. uh, We'll quick try to address a few kind of complicated texts. So the first text was someone asking to say something about a disease called myelofibrosis. So this is a fairly uh, uncommon blood disease. So in terms of this, uh, people are more at risk for this if they've had chemotherapy or leukemia in the past. It is something that is diagnosed by a blood doctor, a hematologist, who's also an oncologist, and it is actually a form of blood cancer. So it is something that requires specific treatment. Some people with myelofibrosis are treated for some time, and there are medications. So myelofibrosis, very rare disease, treated by a blood doctor. Another person texts about uh, having a reaction to the flu shot. So just as a reminder, uh, despite what many people say, you cannot get the flu or influenza from a flu shot. One thing you can get, which someone texted about, is a sore arm. And sometimes the enhanced shot, the high-potency shot that's given to people over 65, also can cause this. If you've had a reaction like a red arm or a very painful arm, what you can do is just talk to your doctor the next flu season In general, um, we can gauge that age is just one number. If you're very frail and you have breathing problems like emphysema, we would probably recommend the high-potency shot. If you're a very healthy 65-year-old that rides a bike all the time, you're at lower risk of the flu. You might not need the high-potency shot. So rather than worry about the reaction, we're not going to treat all 75-year-olds the same or Mm 65-year-olds. Just talk to your doctor and say which of these flu shots might be right for you. What's the difference between the two? What does the enhanced one have that the the smaller dose doesn't? Yeah, so it's not a a bigger needle, uh, but basically it's just a more potent shot to try to boost the immune system more. So remembering year to year, we don't – one year's flu shot – doesn't provide a lot of support the following year because the flu is a nasty virus. It changes a lot year to year. So in general, people that are highest risk for the flu are older individuals, and those ones we give a higher potency shot to. All right, let's go back to the phones. Heidi is calling from uh, Minneapolis. Heidi, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm calling because I'm having a burning sensation in my right abdomen uh, above the belly button but um, below kind of where the gallbladder was, um, I've had that taken out. Uh, It's intermittent. It comes um, after meal, most of the time at night, but sometimes um, uh, after lunch or or after breakfast. Um, And it will happen sometimes even in the middle of the meal, so it's not like I've had too much. Um, And we've had an X-ray and an ultrasound that showed nothing, and we're going for a CAT scan. Um, any ideas? So, it, you know, naturally, as you said, if it's something that's coming with food, we would think about more of things related to digestion. So things that can cause more problems with eating are stomach problems, like a stomach ulcer or gastritis, inflammation of the stomach, or gallbladder problems. If you've had your gallbladder removed, 
you actually still can have gallstones, but it's much less common. So one thing to note about the imaging you've had, like an X-ray, an ultrasound, and a CAT scan, is none of them really look on the inside of the intestine. So um, the test that you know you might consider is either taking a medicine to settle the stomach, something called a proton pump inhibitor or H2 blocker, meds like Zantac or Prilosec. Um, And also sometimes when we're not sure and it seems like a digestive problem, we'll do an endoscopy because this actually sees the inside of the stomach or intestine better than a CAT scan would. So first step, maybe trying a medicine to settle the stomach. Next step, if it's really a bad problem, sometimes we'll recommend an endoscopy. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. There's another one. Sure. So another someone asked about uh, burning in their hand or tingling. Uh, another texter asked about neuropathy. They said, I'm diagnosed with idiopathic neuropathy. Idiopathic is a medical word, mean, which means we don't know what's going on. <laughs> so idiopathic means we haven't identified a cause. Uh, the person has tried different things, including therapy, stem cell therapy, and laser treatment. What else is there? So the one thing to note is we fielded a call earlier about tinnitus or ringing in the ears. If you have neuropathy or tingling in the hands or legs, it means that the nerve is damaged. One thing to know about any of the treatments is we don't have a treatment to fix the nerve. So what we do have is medicines to help with the pain. So if you have damaged nerves, let's say a common cause would be diabetes that causes damaged nerves, we actually can't fix that with medicine or therapy. So if the texter is looking for relief from the tingling sensation, that is really a hard problem and we don't have a solution. However, if the person has a lot of pain, things we might use are there are different medications that help with nerve pain. And there are different families of medications. We actually have several different types of medications that may be available to help. So in addition to doing physical therapy or pool therapy, the person may want to talk to their doctor about something for nerve pain. The tingling, we can't help. 651-989-9226. If you want to call in your health question for Dr. Ives or send a text, 81807. There's another one. Sure. Here's another common question we field. Uh, someone said they recently had a mild stroke, but they cannot tolerate any statins. Statins are cholesterol medicine because they cause extreme muscle pain. What alternatives are available? Uh, they've considered a medicine called a biologic. How do they work and would that be a good option? So uh, statins are one of the most commonly prescribed medications. I want to emphasize that a very small minority, not the majority of people, have trouble with muscle pain and can't take them. The first step with a statin is to try a different medicine from the same family because statins are the most effective thing to reduce the risk of stroke. There are newer medicines like this biologic, which very much reduce cholesterol and can be effective. The first thing someone would want to know is how their insurance might manage this because these newer medicines are, uh, dare I say, insanely expensive. So uh, someone is not going to want to pay out of pocket. A other alternative that you could ask a doctor about is there is a supplement called red yeast rice that is shown to lower cholesterol that may be a reasonable alternative. But that's something you'd want to buy from a reputable place and not just off the Internet. So you'd want to be buying it from some place that you actually know you're getting what it says it is. So first step is to try a different cholesterol medicine. The biologic may be a good option, but you'd check with your insurance. 
And there is this red yeast rice that is an option to at least talk through with a doctor. Would you find that last thing you said, the red yeast rice, at like a, a, a well-known... Uh, You'd want to find it from a well-known place, like a big store. So uh, here in the Twin Cities, you'd look at a Target or a Walmart. Okay. Um, you could go to a Whole Foods grocery store or something like that. But again, when you buy it off the internet, it doesn't have to be you know red yeast rice rather than uh, some brown rice with red food coloring on top of it. Okay. So you want the real deal if you're <laughs> going to spend thing. the money on it. All right. Hang on, Dr. Ives. We'll uh, take a quick break here. We have more show to come. It's an open line show today, which means you drive the show with your questions and your phone calls and text messages, 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to use it. If it's easier, send a text. We'll get back to the text messages as well. That number is 81807. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters, presented every Sunday in the 730 to 830 hour by our friends at Hennepin Healthcare. Dr. Hilden's taking the day off today. Dr. Sam Ives is back being the guest host, answering your questions on this open line show. So you, we still have time for your phone calls and more text messages. Phone line is 651-989-9226. But we do have a bunch of text messages. Yeah, we got a great number, so I'll try to get to a few. Uh, the first person asks, uh, why do they not give a pap smear to women over age 65? So a pap smear is a screening test for a type of cancer called cervical cancer. In general, we know that uh, if people, as they get older, there's there's at least less data. We don't have studies to show that screening people, uh, you know, until they're very old is helpful. In general, you might have a way to estimate how healthy you are that's more than just your age. So we know that just age isn't the only determinant. So you may ask your doctor to say, in a person who's very healthy and is 75, we might keep screening, whereas in a person who's 55 and is very unhealthy, it's, they're unlikely to benefit from a screening test. Uh, so that's just a quick answer. Someone else asked about... Uh, having said, my dad has been uh, having episodes of confusion on a high dose of Lipitor. The doctors don't seem to be considering the Lipitor as the cause. Now, Lipitor is atorvastatin. It at one point was the most prescribed medicine in the United States. So it's a very common medicine. Atorvastatin as a statin has a few well-known side effects, including muscle aches and some others. Um, confusion is not a usual side effect. So I understand that someone whose family member is having confusion, you should certainly be considering many causes, but atorvastatin is not a common cause. So while I'd l- it'd be good if it was a simple solution, it sounds like a lot more needs to be worked out. All right, I'll tell you what, let's go back, uh, doctor, to the uh, phones. John's calling from White Bear Lake. John, you're on CCO with the doctor. Morning. Yes. I tell you what, having, John. Uh, hey, hey, John. Before you do anything, turn down your radio, if you would, please. Oh, sure. And we'll wait while you do that, because that can be a little bit confusing. Before you All do right. anything, turn down uh, your radio, if you. <laughs> All right. Okay, I got it. Very good, John. Thank you. What's your question, please, John? Well, uh, I'm eight years old, and I've been having problems with just. Blacking out. I, I have no inclination or anything. All of a sudden, I just fall over uh, most of the time on my face. And uh, I've done that probably about six times in the last uh, couple of years. 
and it's kind of scary. Plus, I get black eyes and cuts. I had to go by ambulance to the hospital last a week ago Sunday to get stitches put back in above my eyebrow. So, what do you think? What do you think, doctor? That John should do. Sure. So if you're having episodes of blacking out, the first questions the doctor's going to ask is what you just told us already, John, is if there's something happening ahead of time. So some people, if their blood pressure is low, they might notice, you know, they felt lightheaded or they stood up too quickly that led to this or it was a side effect from a medication. Now, if really there's no no story that happens before the passing out or what we'd call a prodrome, something that happens before you pass out, the doctor's going to be more worried about an abnormal heart rhythm, just like our other caller talked about earlier. If you're having the episode that happens every day, then the doctor can have you observed on a monitor overnight. However, if you're having the episode once per month or per few months, sometimes the doctor will do a longer-term heart monitor, something that you'd wear at home over a series of weeks, and that way they'd say the best information is going to be if we actually see what's happening at that moment. So someone can wear a monitor for two weeks or four weeks or even longer, and sometimes that's very helpful for us to say, well, gosh, if you had an episode uh, a week from Thursday, then we can actually look at the heart monitor and it can tell us the information about what happened on that day. Because some of the heart problems are very serious that would be treated by a pacemaker, defibrillator. Some of the causes have really simple fix, adjusting medications, doing other things that we can do that really aren't as serious. So that's the first step, especially if you're hurting yourself, requiring stitches or a black eye. We'd really need to know what's happening at the time of the episode. And sometimes seeing you in the hospital, we don't know what happened a few hours earlier. And those monitors can be that specific with the date and time They can be either. very much date and time stamped. They can do that, and there's a lot of different kinds. All right, I think we have time for maybe another text or so. Okay, so someone asked, uh, this is a very common question about uh, someone who's never had chicken pox, did the workup to verify, can I get shingles? Am I a candidate for the shingles vaccine? So in general, if you, uh, even if you don't remember you've had chicken pox, you are a candidate for the shingles vaccine. Uh, if you have blood work that shows that you've never had uh, varicella, the virus that causes chicken pox or shingles, then that might be treated a little bit differently. So talk to your doctor about the results of this blood test, and then you may be a candidate for a vaccine. It's just the specific vaccine of getting the chicken pox or the shingles vaccine is different. This is a very complicated area. We get tons of questions about the new shingles shot. It is available. Uh, it's very effective. It is recommended for many people. So if you're seeing your doctor in the next couple of weeks, you want to just ask a quick question to say, is the shingles shot something I would need to get? And think about that flu shot too, right? And the flu shot, of course. So <laughs> right. shots, shots, shots. shots. <laughs> Dr. Ives, good to see you again. Thanks, thanks very much for Thank uh, filling you so in much. today. Appreciate it. Dr. Sam Ives, by the way, if uh, you uh, would like to make an appointment, schedule an appointment with any Hennepin Healthcare Providers. Uh, let me give you the phone number. We always give you this every week, 612-873-6963. Again, 612-873-6963. Dr. Hilden will be returning next week here on 830 WCCO.